This is a Federal News Network podcast. The government-wide improper payment rate crept up last year because of programs spawned by the pandemic. The Office of Management and Budget found that improper payments grew the most under the federal state unemployment insurance program, which saw its improper payment rate reach nearly 19 percent, eight points higher than pre-pandemic rates. For a closer look, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the former deputy executive director of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, the PRAC. She's now a principal at Grant Thornton, Linda Miller. What's working poorly is external entities trying to access government benefit programs. So that's when you get more into identity verification, identity authentication of an individual who's applying for a benefit or a grant. That's where agencies are really struggling. And, you know, basic things like the more simple tools that we consider like multi-factor authentication or even knowledge-based questions. These things, which are far from the gold standard, are still better than nothing. And a lot of agencies are still not using those. And so honestly, when you look at the sort of the full spectrum, the federal government is large and there's a lot of different types of agencies with a lot of varying sophistication. Some are using much more sophisticated tools and some are using nearly no tools. And so it's going to be really important to, to raise the whole level of verification and authentication across the board. Those agencies that are putting out large amounts of benefit dollars are going to need to move to more sophisticated tools like the biometric tools. What comes to mind are some of the big vendors and login.gov, which is a government agency that is a single sign-on capability right now for several agencies and is growing using things like the document authentication software and a selfie. That's going to help a lot with stolen identities, because if I stole someone's identity, I don't have their driver's license with me, right? If I bought their identity on the dark web and I'm trying to log in, I'm a bad guy, I'm trying to log into a system with a stolen identity. If there's a tool that says upload your driver's license and then take a photo of yourself so we can match your picture to your driver's license, you're not going to have those documents, then you're not going to be able to get through that system. So it is a very effective way to rule out basic identity theft. And many agencies are not yet using those kinds of tools. It's going to be really important to move to that kind of authentication technology. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to look at it. A lot of people don't have all the pieces of the puzzle when it comes to identity. And so that's a good way to keep things in check. I'm going to add two more things. One is there's even another step in that, like the further authentication sophistication, which login.gov is currently considering building in, which is web authentication or web authentication. It's a web standard that's been published by the World Wide Web Consortium. And they're using something called public key cryptography. And the idea there is something known to you and something that is on a, a hardware, a public key. So it's a public key and a private key that work together, which is a far more reliable way of authenticating people and even better than these selfies and document verification that's being used right now. And so that's going to be sort of the next level up that agencies, this web authent is probably going to become the gold standard across pretty much every web-based program in the public and private sector in the next few years. And I think especially with login.gov growing, that could be a a real benefit to having a single sign-on capability to agency benefit program, which uses that much more secure technology. One thing that's especially challenging for federal agencies and state agencies that is not as challenging for like the private sector is you have this issue with a lot of people who apply for benefit programs in the government are vulnerable populations. They may be people who don't have any identification. They may be transient. They may be homeless. They may have very limited English proficiency. And so when we think about these authentication technologies, we're kind of thinking about 
the people who have an iPhone and a laptop and you know government-issued ID and a, an established credit through a bank. And those people are going to have a lot easier time than this other sort of population of more vulnerable people. And that's important for agencies, state and federal, that it's often overlooked when we try to sort of solve these problems with technology. We've seen some legislative fixes, I suppose. You know, we've seen the death master file be fully available to the Treasury Department, particularly IRS, particularly the Bureau of the Fiscal Service. Are there other types of legislative fixes that might be necessary to show some improvement around improper payments? There's a lot of legislative fixes, I think, that need to be considered. A lot of the privacy laws that are preventing the sharing of really important data have to be looked at again and considered. Just like we were talking about the trade-off between equity and fraud and improper payment prevention, there's going to be a balance between protecting people's privacy and being able to share data necessary to ensure that people aren't stealing federal benefits. And so right now, the privacy laws are very strict and many of the agencies have challenges sharing important data among themselves. And that's something that Congress is going to have to address. That's not something the agencies can do because these are these are laws that have to be changed. A few years ago when they created the IG Empowerment Act, that essentially relieved the IG community of having to be subject to those privacy laws. And the benefits that the IGs have been able to see in just a few years have been really impressive. They're now able to access data sets that they weren't able to access before. The problem is those are agencies that are looking back and saying, hey, this, this is these are payments you made you shouldn't have made. This is going to be important going forward that they get access to these data sets so that they can do the stuff prepayment, so they can make sure that somebody who is ineligible isn't getting this benefit before they make the payment and then relying on the IG to come back and try to claw back the money. Going back to how things were early spring 2020, when we saw the first money going out the door for COVID relief, I think something we saw, especially then, was self-certification, eligibility for some of these programs that were being rolled out. But that strikes me as kind of a low-hanging fruit type thing in terms of vetting people who are eligible for these programs and ultimately reducing improper payments. First of all, self-certification is absolutely still happening. There's an awful lot of ARPA funding that's going out through the state, and there's still a push to get the funding out quickly. You know, every time we talk about these kinds of things, it's always a tension, right? It's a tension between one and another. In this case, the tension is between the Congress hearing from their constituents that they didn't get a benefit and the same desire by the same representative to make sure that those, that money isn't being stolen. It's, it's a very challenging tension. So we're still seeing self-certification being used in all manner of programs in ARPA, in state-run programs that are being put out now, and certainly in just general agency programs that are being run every day, not just pandemic programs. Sometimes this is the result of, frankly, statutory requirements. Other times they aren't, and that may be a technology issue, it may be a timing issue, and it's a data sharing issue. So for example, IRS data is not available to most agencies. And so a lot of information is collected by the IRS that could be very valuable to agencies when they're trying to determine the eligibility in a program, but the agencies can't access IRS data. And there's other similar examples. The National New Hire Database is a very vital piece of data for determining whether someone is, is employed, has been re- recently employed, and very many agencies, including GAO until very recently, could not access that data set. And so this self-reporting problem is massive. I mean, it's better than it was in the few months during the beginning of the pandemic, sure, but it's by no means not a problem anymore. It's the biggest problem in the improper payment space. 
Linda Miller, former Deputy Executive Director of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, now with Grant Thornton. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Winter season is here, and Discount Tire wants you to stay safe on the road. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at discounttire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Let's get you taken care of. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. Target's new Red Card Reloadable saves you 5% every Target trip, in-store and online, and doesn't require a bank account or credit check to get approved. Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. Restrictions apply.